What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 380 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. That's right, Combos Court Podcast. Today's installment, Keandre of Hoop Intellect joins in to talk NBA Draft. We discuss the 2022 NBA Draft's biggest winners, surprises, and look forward to the 2023 NBA Draft. A fantastic conversation with Keandre. Go subscribe to Hoop Intellect on YouTube. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Andre, Hoop Intellect. Welcome back to the show, man. It's always good having you on. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having me on once again. Most definitely. Most definitely. How are things for you? I know things must get really busy before the NBA draft. Do things slow down for you? Sometimes when like things slow down for me, it's almost like I get antsy. I don't know how you feel. Can you just sit back and relax and like kind of wait till you gear up to for uh, 2023? <laughs> um, You know, like I was going so hard for the last like several months that I really didn't even I just uploaded the recap video but I really didn't have any motivation to like put that out after the <laughs> after the draft actually happened um but yeah it's just it's just kind of a, a different thing I I enjoy it because like this kind of buffer period in the off season, not really time for people to like that people are really interested in the next draft but um the NBA season isn't going on either so I like have the room to do other stuff and I like doing that um different breakdowns and things of that nature so um yeah it's just kind of a I gotta find something to do uh <laughs> soon because I, I just keep going otherwise I just I'll end up taking like two weeks off or something but we got summer league coming up so um yeah most definitely are you gonna get back at the gym a little bit since you have a little bit more time shoot around <laughs> yeah I <laughs> I actually got back in the gym on draft day because I just had like so many hours to just not do anything. So that was the start. So I'll, I'll definitely be be getting back in there a little bit, seeing what what we can make happen now that I don't have to edit every out, living hour of the day. So, yeah, it was definitely. All right. So uh, recap the preview video for us. That would like it'd be interesting for us to hear. And also we can kind of like lead people towards that uh, video. So what was like your biggest takeaways and talk about your recap video a little bit? Yeah, so I basically just structured it. I was going with the lottery because, you know, that's kind of the most important thing. And then right. um, into some steals and other things I thought were questionable and some teams that um, I thought had the best night. So, I mean, really, the the one of the f first things was um, Paulo going number one because Crazy. the whole time we thought that, you know, the order had kind of been finalized until like that last night before. Um, and then the Vegas odds started flipping completely, and, yeah. and it seemed like uh, Paulo was the guy, you know, at that point. So um, that was really one of the main things because, you know, I've been saying Paulo was the number one pick um, for a minute, but I didn't know that they would actually, you know, take him. 
And then, you know, you've got guys like Jaden Hardy who fell to 37. That was crazy. That was crazy. I know, I know you have some thoughts about that. What did you think about that one? Unbelievable because it must be something, and I'm sure he's a great kid, but I don't know him personally. So I'm thinking it can't be his game. So it has to be some kind of intel. Like, that's my only thoughts. I hope it's not. Like, I'm sure he's a good kid. I don't know him personally. So it has to be intel because when you watch him play, there's no way that that many teams should pass on him. That's the thing. And you would think that at some point that would have came out in some type of report, but that never came out either. So I I feel in the, the way that a lot of people have been basing his, like the reasoning for it going to 37 is because of his game or his performance in the, in the G League, which – I would understand it if somebody went ahead and like looked at his first couple games and you know saw how he played there and decided oh this is probably more of a second round pick but his second half of the season he was way way better and then like you look at his catch and shoot numbers the ways that he was um you know performing next to guys like Scoot and, and Dyson Daniels yeah and I think that there's a you know a real path for him to be able to you know have a little bit more of a minimized role um especially next to a guy like Luka Doncic like that's just a perfect pairing um, for somebody like that so that that could turn out to be like one of those ones where we're like 37 teams really you know yeah so. it's interesting you mentioned that with Luca because I was thinking picks, about this yeah. I was thinking about this today um so I mean Jaden is more skillful but less athletic than the other Jaden but maybe he could be to Luca what Ivy could be to Cade yeah I think that you know it's certainly a possibility it'll take a little bit more time and they have their they're already right. more of an established team. So yeah. I think you, you bring him more in like a off the bench role and and you just kind of see what happens from there. And I think um just having somebody who attracts so much attention, like Dorian Finney Smith is getting five open threes a game, you know, yeah. like especially in like a playoff setting. Hardy's gonna eat off of that. So um that's one of the ones. Also, AJ Griffin going sixteenth to, to the Hawks. Um obviously we kind of know like there was a possibility for there to be some medical issues there um, that could have you know, led to that. But I think that he's um, far too talented, especially as somebody who's supposed to be an incoming college freshman age wise, the way like just shoots 40 percent from three in his sleep, um, 6, 6, 225. Like that's a combination that you would think would go in a lottery. But there was a lot of stuff going on in that like 11 to 13 range with all the trades and Knicks, you know, trading out and all that. So, yeah. Um, I kind of get it, but yeah, that's those are some of the the main things that are in there. You mentioned Dyson. I mean, you mentioned Jaden. Do you feel like the alternative? Because I love the idea of alternative paths. Um, I think it's awesome that you have choices now that you have options. But it helped Dyson. But out of everybody else, it really didn't help, right? Like Montero didn't get drafted. Hardy went late thirties. Do you feel like all the alternative paths kind of like hurt some of these prospects? You know, I definitely thought, think with the overtime elite, that's a whole nother thing because there's their inaugural season. They're playing against prep schools, basically. Um, there's just a whole lot going on there. And then obviously he's a smaller guard. That's always something that we kind of, you know, even like Kennedy Chandler went, um, you know, nearly 40. So um, that's always a thing. But I think, you know, the G League, I think it's still a viable, you know, alternative route. And it has, you know, proven – to, to put certain prospects in, in great position going forward. The Hardy thing, I think, is just going to end up being like a one-off. And then the next year, is like, as we see it in the future, it'll probably correct itself a little bit, depending on how he uh, performs. If he performs poorly, then, you know, maybe it kind of changes the way that prospects or, you know, kids view that that option. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like so early. We're so early in the process. Like Shaden goes seventh and doesn't play for an entire year. Um, yeah. And, you know, like there's just so many different things. Like Peyton Watson plays 12 minutes a game and still goes 30. Um, so there's just so many different factors and things going on. I think all the teams are trying to figure out, like, how do we evaluate from from that perspective? So um, I think it's just still a work in progress. Yeah, it's definitely a hard thing to do to put overtime elite and G League Ignite in the same bucket because actually I would think G League Ignite is probably an easier eval than college basketball and yeah. overtime elite is a tremendously hard eval no matter what. Yeah, for sure. Um, you would, I, I don't know. That's th- that's why I thought the Hardy thing was so interesting to see because yeah. he is playing against that higher level competition. Like this isn't the West Coast Conference. Uh, that what he's what did you against. say he was their guy? Like he was their main option? Yeah, for for a lot of the time, he was the person, you know, making things go. And like, honestly, he was a little overextended in that. So it kind of changed from, you know, throughout the year, Dyson had a little bit, uh, Scoot had a little bit. And I think that's when he you saw him, his play start to rise a little bit when they started to spread it out more and not rely on him in the way that like, he has been for his entire life, like just being yeah. a guy, um, and, you know, taking some of those bad shots, um, and things of that nature. So, just just uh putting him in better situations is when we start to see his play go you know rise yeah transitioning to the other jaded were you surprised when the kings did not take him at four honestly not really um it kind of felt like it was going to go that way they have so many different factors coming in like you know you have you just traded halliburton you have the two guards who aren't particularly good shooters as well Mm -hmm. um the fox and ivy fit would be kind of weird um there's just so many different factors. I get why they would go Keegan. I personally would like to like trade back in that you know scenario, um, but you have to have somebody who wants to trade up to to do that. So I I got it. I wasn't too surprised, but I think Detroit like is for oh getting Ivy at five. Like they're really set up for the future in a big way, and and then they went and traded back into the lottery to go get Jalen Duran. Um, can't really ask for a better lottery night than that. Or yeah, that. That's interesting because I feel like you had Duran a lot higher than consensus with mm. the way the NBA is going with the way the modern NBA is played. Why did you feel that way? Yeah. So I think you look at him, you know, 6'10", 6'11", 250, the way that he's able to affect the game and the way that he blocks shots. Um, you've got somebody who can potentially be, I really like his playmaking upside. That's one of the differentiators for me. Like, particularly between him and Mark Williams. Um, and then, you know, some of the shooting stuff. But I just think he's somebody who you can really have as a as a key piece on that back line. You look at what Robert Williams does um, when he's healthy and going, and it completely changes the, the way that the game is played. Um, so that was kind of why I had him, you know, in that – five six seven range for for most of the year in that kind of second tier behind the the ivy um paulo chet jabari kind of group so that's why he was really in there but you know for detroit getting people who are number four and five on my board that's why i think that they had you know a really good night um are you happy to see chet go to okc and ivy go to detroit because it just feels like such seamless fits yeah like so Paulo Orlando was the my favorite fit for Paulo, you know Chet in OKC, um, Jabari in Houston. Mm, really? 
yeah, that was that was my favorite fit for him. Let me let me um, ask you about Paulo real quick because don't yeah. you feel that everything will run through him and Franz and now there might not be a lot of spacing or gravity around them and those guys around them, their roles might change a little bit? I think, you know, potentially, but also you don't really, when you're in the situation that Orlando is in, you don't really have that kind of freedom to, right. so like, like Suggs didn't, I still think Suggs is going to be a really good player. Um, defensively, he's been, defensively, defensively yeah, he's been right. incredible already. Yeah, yeah. already. Um, but it's not like, you have Cade there or, you know, just pick a random player where you kind of want to change things a little bit. I like the front court, you know, Franz, Paulo, Wendell Carter Jr. I think you build from there and figure out which guards kind of, you know, prove themselves to be the, the easiest fits there. And then um, as for spacing, I think Franz can shoot it fine. He's he's fine from yeah. From well, that, there. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I think I'm thinking that him and Paulo are probably going to be like, they're going to have almost like two point forwards in a way. Yeah, I think, yeah, to some degree, um, I think Paulo's a little bit better is like, you know, like in the ways that like Blake did in, in Detroit and kind of ball reversals, you know, dribble handoffs, kind of, you know, doing those type of things, you know, high, low action with Wendell, um, so those type of things. And then in transition, grabbing and going, um, Franz is, is a little bit different, like getting him downhill off those dribble handoffs, making a play there. And then, um you know, some other stuff like maybe a, a drag screen in, in transition or, or whatever. Um, but I just think there's just so many options that you can do with them and having those two type of guys make it really difficult for, for teams to guard you. And then you can get easy opportunities for guys like Markel Foles, Jalen Suggs, um, Cole Anthony, and you just kind of work from there. So that's why I, I like that um, potential fit. And then, yes, there's just kind of the list just kind of went on with um, – guys ending up sort of in their best case scenario. Even a guy like Jeremy Sohan, for me, I wanted him to end up in San Antonio. I didn't know if it would be at number nine. Um, knowing them, they're going to do whatever they feel like. Um, but that was one, that was another spot that I, I really liked for, for, for a prospect. Yeah, because I think with him, if he develops as a shooter and the Spurs have been known to develop players as shooters, he has great feel, great size and everything else. And it does seem like a place where he could really develop. Yeah, for sure. And I just like what he brings to the table defensively and they, they're in need of a four. And I think he can slide right in there and, and kind of grow and learn as he goes. Yeah. What did you think of the Miami heat and warriors pick back to back? It was uh, Pat and uh, Jovich. I really think that like these are two of the smartest organizations and smart organizations do smart things. And I think when we look back at this draft, those guys could go a lot higher to redraft, in my opinion. And uh, the upside is just incredible. First, like Jovovich, I compared, I've been comparing him to Giddy for a while now, not saying they're similar players, but just saying that Jovovich played in a comparable league or even better league. His numbers were around the same. He's a better shooter. He's more athletic. He's taller. All these things. Maybe he's not quite the passer. So I felt like he had really high upside. And then Pat Baldwin Jr. is a guy that was so highly touted out of high school, and you should never, ever sleep on those guys. He almost took an alternative path himself, right? Like, it was still college yeah. basketball, but it definitely wasn't a blue blood he went to. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on those two picks? Yeah, so I think you're right about that. We could very easily look back in two, three, four years and be like, these are in, like, the kind of lottery of redrafts. Right, um, right. You got Jovic going to a Miami Heat situation who's going to – really work on his his biggest weakness is defense um 
that's the biggest thing holding him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. and being a little bit more consistent as a shooter. Um, but being in the Heat organization, you know, that's something that you can um, really count on him them to kind of work on his his biggest weaknesses. And um, that's the, like he's the type of player that really they've never really had in any you know recent um, memory. So it should be interesting to see how they use him and and how early he gets to play, um, especially with them still being sort of on the cusp of, of contending, you know, they were one game away from the finals. Um, and then, yeah. you know, the Warriors actually winning the finals, you get Pat Baldwin, PBJ. Um, I'm not sure how, like, they have sort of like two teams right now. They have the Steph, Dre, Clay, uh, you know, Iguodala, Looney, um, those guys, and then Otto Porter. And then you have the Jordan Pools, Moses Moody, uh, James Wiseman, Pat Ball and Ryan Rollins, like all these and, young guys and on the then, backs. And then you have like one player in there in his athletic prime in Wiggins, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, and it's like there's just so much. It like kind of reminds me of sort of the youth movement with the Spurs um, in there when they had Kawhi. Obviously, you had Danny Green coming up. Um, Gary Neal was really productive there earlier on in his career. Um, so there's like some parallels there, especially with like the, the, the run of dominance they've been on, but yeah, for, for PBJ specifically, like he had a lot going on in his freshman season. I still think there is a lot of talent there. Um, I don't know how much he's going to play early on, like even Moses Moody and Jim, um, and Jonathan Kaminga, that was the one I didn't mention, uh, really didn't play too, too much, um, this season. So, well, I guess we're we're going to see how much he ends up getting on the floor, but somebody who's about 6'10 and, and can shoot it like he can and get to certain spots and especially playing off of Steph and Clay, like and Jordan Poole, the game is going to be a lot easier. He's going to have a lot more opportunities and play more in a in a role that makes more sense for his game than being the guy in any sort of situation. So, um yeah, I think that's a a really nice pickup and there's no risk in that spot either so you might as well take a swing yeah so do you mention the defense with Jovich and to me he was a top 15 guy is there anything outside of defense that didn't make him a lottery guy yeah uh yeah I mean you just kind of you cannot you can kind of look at like his three-point shooting like the consistency of it I would you know bet on it like if you watch him play you know that this is a guy that's probably going to shoot well the energy, um, the energy transfer is good when I watch it yeah for sure like I mean he he and he also shot 36% in FIBA the year before. I would just bet on that. Um, and, and the stuff he does off the dribble, some of the step backs, one-legged um, yeah, shots yeah. like from the mid-range. Like, that's not yeah. somebody who's usually not going to at least be respectable. Um, so that's those are kind of the main things. Some of the consistency, just kind of finishing at the basket a little bit um, more effectively. But he's a young player playing against grown men. It's kind of a, a work in progress. But, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought he was kind of in that, that 20s range. Um, hmm. just kind of right outside the, the, uh, the 15 to 20 guys that I had, but, um, I think that he's a, a really nice prospect and, you know, Miami got a good one. Any real huge surprises outside of, well, you know, Paula went number one. And I guess that was a surprise for everybody after everything we were hearing, hearing, it felt like, uh, it was destiny for him to go to Houston. And I also, we discussed Hardy, but. Anything really stuck out to you in terms of surprises where you were just like, whoa, when you saw that pick? Um, I think David Roddy surprised me mm. a little bit. It was Memphis, so on the other hand, that doesn't they do, you know, whatever they want as well. Um I wasn't a hundred percent 
you know, he's kind of like one of the more unique players in in a draft. Um, six six, kind of built like a tight end, and right, um, right, right. Does a lot of things, you know, pretty well. Um, he moves way better for his size than he um, really should. Defensively, I was, you know, that was my biggest concern with him. And also, given that like the first two years of his college career, he was not a, a very good shooter, and then this year he kind of, you know, blossomed in a in a huge way. Um, but that was one of one of the surprises at, at 23, especially giving up DeAnthony Melton for him. That was the thing that kind of made it really interesting to me. Um, I feel like there's a few more. Kendall Brown falling to 48 was was another one. Um, it was, was it just that it was just so deep between like 20 to 40? It was like, I, you know, I said like certain at certain points in the year, like, it was going to get kind of weird once we started getting to 20, it might just, you know, flip all around and, and everything. But um, I didn't see him falling past like the, the mid to late thirties, worst case scenario. You know, he has certain um, things about his game. Like he's not the greatest shooter yet. Um, you know, he's not super aggressive or the greatest ball handler, but like his whole, his feel, he's six, eight can jump out the gym, um, can defend in, in a few different spots really well. Um, so I was a little bit surprised by that, but I don't know. I think teams, like once you start getting to the contending teams, they're going to pick who they want and also pick who's going to contribute fast. That's why you got somebody like Christian Brown going 21 um, to the Nuggets because he fits what they like to do. You know, really good cutter, good athlete, somebody who can defend multiple positions. And I think if they're all healthy, they should be contenders in the West. So, you know, it makes sense to go with him over, a, you know, got like Jaden Hardy potentially, or, you know, even a Blake Wesley, if they're trying to, you know, hit this window really, really quickly. And you already have Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, yeah. um, Michael Porter Jr. Jokic already isn't that great of a defender. So um, there's just a lot of different factors. I think that all these teams are weighing. So that could have potentially, you know, been the reason why some of these guys slipped, but yeah, I don't know. I think it was just always going to be a little bit weird on draft night. Keandre, I would have, the Detroit Pistons as the biggest winner in this draft. I wouldn't overthinking, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Would you have them as the biggest winner or is there somebody else you're looking at? Yeah, that was my um, biggest winner. Um, and they also got uh Presida at 35. So I really yeah. like that pick too. Um, who else is in there? I think I would say I like what I, Houston did quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Jabari Smith, of course, you know, he's at three. They, they were going to take him at three. But Tari Eason at 17, I like the value there. And Ty Ty Washington at 29, you know, getting somebody who, value. you know, makes really good decisions. He can play on and off the ball. They don't really have, like, more of a I, – I wouldn't say he's a true point guard, but somebody who, like, controls pace other than, like, Dacia Nix. Um, so that was a good pick as well. How would you grade Memphis? I thought Memphis was, was solid. I liked um, – getting Kennedy Chandler where they got yeah. him and Vince Williams Jr. I really like him. Um, it's kind of more of an unknown guy. I'm trying to think. We've mentioned David Roddy. They got somebody else in there too, didn't they? But I thought they were solid. I, I think – I feel like I got to remember who, who else that they picked. But Was it was it second round? Um, Might have been late first. Hold on. Or maybe that was just it. Maybe they just got those three. No, they got Jake LaRavia. That's who they got. Oh, 19. that's right. Didn't they move yeah. for that? Yeah, they moved up a little bit, um, swapped with uh, Minnesota. I mean, that's a that's a very Memphis pick, but I feel like he fits even, you know, um, better than 
David Roddy does, or you know, and they didn't have to give up DeAnthony Melton to go do that. So I'm fine with that pick. I thought that he kind of went his stock kind of went a little bit high. I don't, I'm not super confident in like his creation and ability to like score without being more of like a natural power forward, but he's probably not going to have to do that playing off a of job, Desmond Bain in them. So, you know, just kind of hitting up spot up threes, defending a lot of positions. I really like him on that end. Um, but yeah, so. The creation for him was like post-ups from deep, right? It was right. A little bit of that. Um, I mean, that's not probably something he'll do in the NBA. And also another thing I wanted to ask you, how do you feel like his defense translates to the NBA level? I think that's his his calling card. I think that's going to translate pretty well. Um, he did a pretty good job on, you know, in the in the ACC guarding even possessions with like Paulo. Um, so I'm pretty confident in him there. That my biggest hold up on him and and why I didn't have him just as high. I thought he was <clears throat> more in like that borderline first round type of range, or at least like the late first round type of range. Um, but it's just like the post up things, like you know, being able to to get all the way to bas to the basket, attacking closeouts and, and things like that. But um, I don't know. I, I like him. I think that he, especially in this position, if it was another team like. Let's say Atlanta picks him at 16 or something. I probably wouldn't have liked it as much. But if because it's Memphis and they just were the two seed, this young team, I, I kind of like it a little bit more. Biggest steal in the second round? Second round? Um, other than Kendall Brown. Well, Hardy, I, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Hardy. You know, I really like I – don't, I don't know whether or not it's going to, like, work out. But I like Bryce McGowan's a lot in Charlotte. Um, we'll see what, what they kind of do with their roster going forward, but he's got a lot of talent. I think that he can can eventually figure it out. Um, and he are, he fell all the way to 40. So that's one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of EJ Liddell going to, yeah. to New Orleans, another team that's great at developing shooters. Yeah. Um, and that's one of his biggest question marks. So he might add even more to their versatility. They might run out some, you know, what? who knows what kind of lineups they might run in the future. So that's a, that's another one. Um, anybody that you're really surprised did not get drafted? Justin Lewis from Marquette. Okay. okay. He, he ended up going to the Bulls, but I was pretty surprised that he didn't get drafted. You know, um, especially being – he's not super old or anything either. Um he could shoot it, big body, you know, really worked on his game the last couple of years. It could have been a situation where he forced his way, like after a certain pick, forced his way into, you know, the, the bull situation, which I wouldn't be surprised, especially because they kind of need somebody at the four. Um, even if he doesn't play, just kind of a depth piece. Um, but, yeah, he would be the main one. Yeah. Is if I mean, look, you've been paying attention to the drafts even way before you started your YouTube channel, before you were actually covering the draft. I think there's a lot of top fives that, you know, top fives haven't got tremendously better over the years. But I'd have to say that like late first round to second round has been continually getting better and better. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I think so. We. I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure of the reason why. Well, there's, I just feel like there's more depth of talent. Like more people, yeah. play, more people play basketball too. For sure, like that. That's the obvious reason. But like the reason certain players kind of kind of mm. fall into that range. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's been getting it's been getting to a point where like you can feel confident if you have a pick like twenty five to thirty five. And in the past, I don't know if you would like even like when we look at like trades, people are like oh it's a late late first round pick. Well, that might turn into something you know decent if you have a good scouting department. Might turn into Kyle Kuzma or Jordan Poole or you know Keldon Johnson, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. You know you never know depending on the year. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I agree with you there. Yeah. All right. So 2023, everybody's saying this is such a great draft. It's amazing. Obviously, uh, Scoot and Wemby should be special. We all think they'll be special. But outside of those two, who are you looking forward to covering in that draft? And is this draft really that good as people are saying? Yeah, I think it's really good. It depends on who you're talking to, because, you know, there are certain some people you might see say, Oh, there's ten people in the next year's in next year's class that would be the number one pick this year. That's not the case. Right. That's right. kind of that's kind of a thing of overrating something because you haven't fully seen it yet. You know, that that's just kind of a habit that everybody naturally falls into. But, you know, yeah, we've got Scoot, we've got Wimby. Those are probably going to be the top two. I'd be kind of surprised if somebody um gets past them. And then we have, you know, Cam Whitmore um, going to Villanova. I really like him. Very excited to watch him. We have Derek Whitehead going to Duke, another wing. Thompson Twins with Overtime Elite. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very curious to see what happens with them just because they are with Overtime. Super talented. Like, super talented. Right. Yeah. Super talented, unbelievably athletic. Much different players than Montero and like Dominic Barlow yeah. were. Um, much different caliber as well. Um so I'm curious to see like where their stock goes, if it goes up or down, just based on the competition that they play. Um, Kalel Ware going to Oregon, big man. Um, I really like. I'm really interested to see him versatile. I can do a lot of different things out there. Uh, and then um, I'm trying to think if there's somebody that I was missing. Oh, Nick Smith going to Arkansas. Anthony Black. I'm really excited to watch them. Jordan Walsh. That should be a really fun team. Arkansas is like. Just loading up in, in right, right, right every year too. So they just got leading blocker who's going. Um, he's about to graduate this year. Really athletic guard. I've seen him in person. He goes to Sunrise. Um, and then yeah, so those are kind of the main guys. And also Grady Dick because um, my younger brother played with him in okay. high school. I played against him several times. He's going to Kansas. McDonald's All American Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, so I'm excited to watch him and and get to cover him in this way. So. Yeah. All right, so you said it wouldn't be 10 guys. So how many of those guys would have been the first pick in this draft? Oh, well, that wasn't like the, the top guys uh, completely. A lot of them right. were. But I would say, I would say, obviously, Scoot and Wimby would be the number one pick for sure. I would I would bet on that, um, in my opinion. And then... I guess I you're think, saying it's it's tough with the Twins because of the Overtime Elite thing, right? That and I just don't know if I would like if we really put them because age wise they're very like they're a little bit older than than um because they weren't eligible for the draft because of the high school thing. Right. I'm trying to think right now if like I would have them over Paulo. Like that's tough, right? That's tough. Yeah. I'm not I'm I would possibly consider it once we start getting to Jabari and Jaden Ivey, but Chet and Paulo, I think that I'm still going with them there. Um but yeah, like we've got Dariq Whitehead probably in that next tier as well. So it's a lot of guys who would make that that second tier of players like really big, but it would be like Scoot Wimby, Chet Paolo, and then like a whole bunch of guys um, 
right there in the mix with Jaden Ivey and Jabari Smith. We started with Paulo. Let's finish with Paulo. Do you feel like the reports that he's 6'10 without shoes helped to become the number one pick? Um, I don't know. Maybe, but I always I said it in a, a yeah, long time you, ago. You've been high on it. But I'm just saying the reason why things switched all of a sudden, and it could have been that Orlando knew who they were picking all along, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I think they just gave everybody the runaround because you look at Jabari's face like after Paulo gets picked, and like he's in shock. Paulo is even in shock as he said it in his I was just watching this podcast before this, um, with the magic, and he said that he didn't know where he was going. And usually, like on draft night. Like all the number one picks, picks he, like, he yeah. came too early. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I know where I'm going. And then they plan their suits accordingly even to it. So um, that was <laughs> right. a lot That was a lot different than we've seen in the past. Um, but I think, yeah, like the combination of just his size and um, just probably seeing him in person a little bit might have boosted him. Yeah, I mean, how much does that benefit Orlando not letting people know? I mean, I don't think it benefits them that much. I think it would have benefited them if Houston was like Jabari is our guy. Okay. If they were, if they, I think that they kind of messed up and they made it um, Jabari. They should have made Apollo because it seemed like Houston really wanted Apollo. So if they would have said that Jabari, right. uh, Apollo was their guy, then maybe they get a trade up. They do the whole um, Fultz uh, Tatum thing, you know, if that was who they wanted, or they're just, I don't know, they're just playing games trying to see gauge interest they didn't really know or maybe they just didn't know and kind of that's just what kind of came out to all the information and everybody so when do you really start digging into 2023 is that is that soon um oh we got summer summer league summer league first right summer league yeah summer league i might do a early 2023 board Mm. before summer league maybe after i don't know but i know this class a little bit better than i even knew last year's okay um for whatever reason, I'm not even I'm not even completely sure, but like just going into it, I already have a a little bit better feel for everything and and who might rise, who might fall, and so I think that'll be a little bit easier to to kind of put that stuff out. Keandre, where could we find your work? Yeah, so I'm always on YouTube uploading videos, hooping elect. You can find me there. I'm on Twitter. Um, Probably start tweeting a little bit more, a little bit more content on there and everything um, at Hoop Intellect with three L's. And then on Instagram, Hoop Intellect, TikTok. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find me. Are you going to Summer League this year? I may or may not be there. How about you, Keandre? You may or may not be there. All right. How about you? Yeah, I'm going. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I just wanted to tell you the work you do is incredible. Um. Fantastic work. Keep it up. I'm really proud of you. I've had you on the show many times, and it's always great talking basketball with you. Thanks so much for taking the time and talk soon. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. There it is. Another installment of Combos Court. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And big thanks to Keandre for joining in. We appreciate you. Share this episode. Retweet it. Post it on your IG stories. You could tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O. C-O-M-B-O and be on the lookout for episode 381 Combo out.